everybody, I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of UTVs. I don't even know the name of my company anymore. It's changed. <laughs> we did what, that five times. Is the name changed? Yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Team Diving. Anymore. Well, it's Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba or UTD Diving. Diving. You gotta have an official name. It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. Hey everybody, Jeff here coming to you from the DEMA trade show in Las Vegas. You can hear the noise in the background. We are on the trade show floor and having a great show this week. So we have done three talks now in the Technical Resource Center at the DEMA show. And the first one you heard in the prior podcast on coaching. So now I want to set up the second one for you. This is a talk that our training director, Ben Boss, did on the current state of side mount in recreational diving. So it was a really interesting program, and I'm just, we're just going to run it in its entirety. So without any further ado, here's Ben on side mount. It's one minute two, so I guess we can, we can already start. First of all, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to come and sit and listen to me ramble on on side mount diving and what we've been up to as an organization when it comes to side mount diving. So let's start with uh, a little explanation on UTD. What is UTD and who are we? Uh, a little bit of the timeline uh, so you get an idea of what we've been up to since we've started. Um, history of side mount and the reason for side mount diving. Advantages, disadvantages, where we are now, and then we'll round up with some questions. First, to start, get a little feel of the audience. How many of you guys are familiar with side mount diving? Everybody, exactly. How many of you dive side mount actively? Oh, good, a little bit, like 40%. Very nice. All right, so let's start off. What is UTD? Who is UTD? Well, UTD is a uh, training organization with roots in a DIR philosophy. Um, for those of you who aren't aware with DIR philosophy, it's a philosophy based or, or born in, in caves, basically, back in the early 90s. And the, the way the concept was built is basically a group of divers getting together, wanting to accomplish certain goals within diving. And that created or molded a system of diving that was based around the, the needs for this group of divers. And that then later got translated into a training um, model. Um, so it's very nice and very like morally um, straightforward to teach the system because it's developed by divers for divers instead of us as an organization figuring out like, hey, we want to sell scuba classes. Let's design an open work class and now an advanced open work class and just go from there. When you look at our buildup of courses, it's basically built from the back end and forward. So we looked at what's the most complicated and demanding situation we can place a diver in that can be in the back of a cave with a rebreather, a scooter, a camera, and a decompression obligation. That kind of like adds a little bit of task loading to that diver. And that needs a lot of training and needs a lot of knowledge and a lot of equipment awareness. Now, if we slowly start peeling back that onion to the level where we are at an open water level, we end up with a diver with the same base as the other guy, but the opportunity to go there if that arises. Now, the advantage of doing it that way is that we create a base for a diver to grow 
from a solid base to the pinnacle. And usually what you see in, 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 in a diver's like, um, way, like a diver's life of his, um, how you call it, uh, evolve, uh, evolving stature of his, from this day he starts to the day he finishes, it's an upside down triangle. It's a limited knowledge base, a limited skill base, and it keeps on piling up. And eventually it becomes so top heavy that you kind of lose track, right? I mean, how many of you are divers at like technical diver level? A little bit. How many times have you had to take a step back to take a step forward, right? Like new tables, uh, new way of learning how to communicate with hand signals, new way of finning, a new comp completely new configuration of your equipment and all that sort of stuff. It makes you go one step back to go two steps forward. And when we designed our training philosophy, we just said, okay, how can we make it so that an open water diver can just enjoy the simplicity of open water diver with a single tank, but have the opportunity to go beyond that without reinventing himself. So that's basically what our roots lie in and what we find is one of our strongest selling points. Um, we're a two-man operation uh, from headquarters point of view. Uh, Jeff Seckendorf, CEO, and myself, Ben Boss, as the training director. And um, we've been, as we see in the next slide, kind of redoing the whole UTD training company since two years, completely re redesigned the whole thing. But we'll come to that in a minute. Um, the biggest focus for us is that we train the way we dive and we dive the way we train. And uh, it kind of sounds like plan your dive and dive your plan, but it goes to the, the smallest detail. Like every dive we do, a training dive or a normal dive is a normal dive. We usually say on our courses and our instructors all over the world say on our courses, there's no such thing as a training dive, so to speak. Like all dives are real dives. So there's no protocol we use only in training. There's no situation where this is only applicable because it's a training dive. No, no. We, we see and look upon and treat every dive as a normal dive. That way we can train the way we dive and dive the way we train. We are extremely proud to be trend-setting time and time again. It's a tiny little uh, part of the presentation to toot our own horn. I hope that's okay. But we've been training neutrally buoyant since day one. We started the organization and it counts for all of our courses. None of our students are ever, ever, ever on the bottom, on their knees, on their bellies. They're not in contact with the bottom. Not an open water diver. First day in the pool, they're neutrally buoyant. And that's something that we, um, we now see permeating through the whole dive industry as the new thing. Well, it, we look at it at diving is a very motory based exercise. It takes skill to be a, a good diver. Any one of you that have been diving more than a weekend knows that, right? It's like skiing, mountain biking, dancing. It takes practice to become proficient at it. And we take that practice and, and put it into the program from day one. And when that, when that base is, is built, then we'll start adding the exercises. Because for us, it's kind of strange to put a new diver under the water with unfamiliar equipment in an unfamiliar environment. The brain is going completely nuts because it's the mammalian diving reflex that's still really much alive. 
and the first thing you'll ask them is, please fill your mask up with water or take your regulator out. And like, what's going on? And it creates a lot of like bad seeds that be planted in the diver. So we take the comfort first, and then we'll take those skills afterwards. We've been, again, since day one, 100% online teaching materials. This adds a benefit. Well, first of all, we don't have to print books, which is good for the environment. But also, when we update our materials, you as a student get updated materials all the time for free. Once you get it online, that's yours for the rest of your access. When we update something, it'll be updated in the system. Um, and that's also something we now see being marketed out there. So we're kind of proud of that. Side mount and CCR integration into the DIR concept is something that was frowned upon by other community members in the DIR community. Um, and now we see that that's also popping up left and center. And it's nice, but we've been doing that since day one, basically. And then, as you hear, if you heard my colleague speak, speak yesterday about the coaching, um, it's, a, it's a brand new concept in, in training, in diving, as far as we know, at, at least. Uh, we're taking the co coaching concept to scuba training, um, removing that need for being, uh, having training compacted into one weekend or one time-limited space opening up for the opportunity for divers to take that training they need to reach a certain goal over a longer period if that's needed. And that can be tied to a certification, but it can also just be tied to a goal about being a better diver. Uh, how many of you are instructors? A lot of them. Fantastic. How many times have you had a student that goes through the program, gets the card, but either you think or they themselves already feel, I need a little bit more training. And then you hmm, kind of don't know what to do. Well, we can go out and do some training, but it's, it's kind of an unstructured and loosey-goosey way of doing it. Now, with the coaching program, we've attempted and we've built out a system where it can put be put into a um, more structured program. A bit like athletic training for athletes that follow a coach program up to a certain race they want to do. So the timeline for UTD, in 2008 we were born, we were hatched, so to speak. Uh, shortly after um, the first side mount system was um, implemented by us, a little bit more about that. A little bit past 2010, um, UTD equipment was born and UTD started manufacturing fins and wings and, and venturing in the whole equipment manufacturing. 2016, uh, we were involved in a, uh, a big decompression testing profile in, uh, in Italy, where we uh, were heavily involved in, in testing certain ways of doing decompression and what effect that had on us uh, as scuba diving, um, as, like a, as recreational divers, uh, even though it were technical levels, we're all doing it for fun. So I'm going to call that recreational diving because it's our recreation. Even though we're going to 200 feet, it's still for recreation. Um, and that was very interesting and we've always been very open-minded to the changes of the physiology and the knowledge about that because all in all the diving is very young right I mean the things we've been doing is, is, is a very small time frame when you look at how how long we've had to develop other stuff that has to do with the physical body so decompression theory for us as we'll come to in a minute is very important and, and a close to, a subject close to our hearts so moving further, um, in 2019, UTD equipment and UTD scuba diving uh, separated. 
we decided that um, both companies were, were we had to split the focus too many times that we decided we have to focus back to our core which is educa education and that's when Jeff and I decided to take the whole thing and rebuild it up COVID hit so at first we thought it was a blessing in disguise it's like oh great the whole, whole world is on pause we have time to rebuild everything so we set about building a whole new website a whole new e-learning platform the materials started from scratch almost building all new materials up and then we were ready to launch come on COVID go away and it didn't we're still in this while you're sitting there with all your masks on so we had time to, to do a revamp of UTD completely. And since that, even due to COVID, or even in spite of COVID, I must say, we've been growing like we've never grown before. So it's fantastic to see uh, the dedication of our instructors worldwide that stayed and sticked with our program. Um, in 2020, we released a new Ratio Digo. Um, if you guys are familiar, Ratio Digo is a way of calculating decompression obligations on the fly without the use of tables, without the use of computers on a simple system based on the knowledge that's out there, but giving the diver the opportunity and the possibility and the knowledge to think about their own decompression without relying on a piece of software and giving them a little bit of a peek behind the scenes basically. And then in 2020, we also started with the coaching, uh, which got finalized here in early 21. And today, we can finally look at our new UTD side mount configuration. So that was a little bit of a timeline with some pillars we've done um, along the way. So some of you were familiar with side mount diving. About 40% of you dive side mount. So you all know that the reasons for side mount are vast, right? I mean, it can be cave diving. I mean, it was born in a cave environment because people were diving caves and reaching points in these caves where they couldn't get in with back-mounted scuba because the holes were too tiny. So take the tanks off your back and put them on the side. Gives us more flexibility. So that's where it came from. But all of a sudden, it turned into the new black on the scuba industry. Everyone wanted to dive um, side mount because it was lighter, it was easier on the back, and all of a sudden, a lot of divers developed chronic shoulder injuries, like out of the blue. It's like, I cannot reach my valves, I need side mount. And if that's true or not, I don't know, I'm gonna leave that in the middle. But um, it was the solution for a lot of divers to, to go that way. So the problem with that was, there was a myriad of systems all of a sudden popping up with different configurations, left, right, and center. And we kind of went to the back, to the beginning of back-mounted doubles, where that was starting out with independent doubles, manifolded doubles, isolatable manifolded doubles, long hose, short hoses, all that sort of stuff. That's what we're seeing right now in the side-mount um, way, that there are so many different ways of doing that. Uh, people dive with uh, little bladders for hydration as BCs, have two short hoses clipped off. One is a necklace, one is not a necklace, one long hose, one short hose. There's a whole bunch of different ways of doing it. And it kind of appeals to the fact that the side mount community that started with side mount in the beginning were doing it from a point of view of exploration. 
right? They wanted to explore certain parts of a cave that were inaccessible with back-mounted equipment. So they valued the flexibility of having tanks on the side higher than, for example, the well-thought-out now and built-out and procedurized back-mounted doubles with an isolatable manifold in the middle. They kind of gave up on that uh, like team aspect of diving because they were doing it for themselves. And a lot of the side-mount thinking was revolving about now I can 100% solve my own problems because all my valves are in front of me. Uh, but as you might know, that the single biggest source of failure in a diver is the diver himself. So what we think as an organization is that all the equipment in the world cannot help you if your nugget is not with you. So regardless of the configuration, it's still, in our opinion, the team aspect that makes a dive safe and not so much an equipment configuration. So I think we're, we haven't seen the end of the development of the side mount systems out there. Um, it's still very much under uh, development. Um, what I can say for us as an organization is that we've always adhered to a very consistent training path. So regardless if we train recreational divers on a single tank, side mount diving on a single tank or twin tank, technical diving or rebreather diving, we want to have the same base set of equipment configuration so that the platform you choose to dive on doesn't require you to change your method of diving. So we still have a long hose donatable in all systems. We still have the same configuration that the right post in a twin set feeds the primary stuff, the long hose and our wing. The left side feeds our dry suit and our necklace or our backup regulator. So all that sort of stuff stays consistent and stays throughout every platform. Again, the same concept, taking one step back and two steps forward. If we would have one system for recreational single tank, for example, an octopus and jacket, and then another system for side mount, and then yet another system for doubles back mount, and then a whole fourth system for rebreather diving, we wouldn't be consistent because it will be a different path every time. The way we've set it up is it is consistent. The motorist skills you learn as a recreational diver are something you can use for all other paths, regardless if you go there or not. So, as I said on the first slide of the timeline, the Z system was uh, invented. We, we created the Z system because we needed a way of, of incorporating side mount diving within our philosophies. And because of the, the, the nature of the side mount, it is two loose tanks hanging on our sides. We needed a way to still be able to feed the right side as, it is, as if it was on a back-mounted doubles. So that was accomplished by using a manifolded system on the back of the diver that distributed the hoses in the same way that the, the back-mounted uh, regulators do. So the right side of this manifold would feed the long hose and it would feed the wing. The left side would feed the necklace and the dry suit and the gas would be put in by hoses connected with a quick connect, a QC quick connect that's been used in, in rebreather diving for years to feed the system. That was a system that worked very well, still works very well, but it had some disadvantages. 
the advantages were there was a compatible system with a UTD DIR philosophy. We would still be able to dive the long hose all the time and not have the necessity to switch between regulators like you would do on normal traditional back mount or sorry, normal traditional side mount. We have no need for that because the system is fed through the manifold to all of the hoses. We have removed the need for independent doubles diving because of that. We've also had a nice opportunity to keep our emergency procedures in place. And that's from as simple as an air share, like, hey, I'm out of gas, and there you go, there's a long hose, and I go to my necklace, and we're happy, to a complex situation in a cave where there's no visibility, we have a procedure for sharing gas there as well. If there's no visibility, we're on touch contact with each other. If the diver, one of the divers in that team has a problem with their air source, like no gas available, we have a procedure that taps on the regulator and that's then being taken out because it's impossible to donate to a diver you can't see because you cannot see in front of you. So imagine doing that in a, situa in a, in a system where you're on, on one regulator the one point of the time and on another regulator the other part of the time. When do you then share gas in that scenario? That becomes quite tricky. If you're on the short hose at the time of air sharing, <laughs> it's kind of a problem. So another advantage, and that's generic, the blue ones are generic for side mount diving, basically regardless of what system you follow. It's very easy for traveling and it's a very balanced system of diving. It's very nice. You don't have that heavy tanks on your back that keep wanting to roll you over. So it really feels nice to dive a side mount system. Now the disadvantages at first were do we have the proprietary equipment was needed to be able to do this. Uh, it needed a special manifold, of course, and it needed a special plate to attach to the wing. Uh, so availability was a bit of an issue. In certain areas of the world, it's not so easy to buy equipment. And now, especially with the pandemic, pandemic popping his head up, this became even a bigger problem. We had a small profile increase on the back of the, back of the diver. Now, <laughs> some people take that as a big problem. I don't really think it's a big problem. I've been into very, very tiny places, as I can show you in a minute. So I don't think it's an issue. But still, it's something to take into consideration. And it was more expensive. It was a, an expensive piece of, machine, uh, piece of kit to build. Again, generic uh, for all side mount system. It's more task loading on the surface. For those of you who have or are diving side mount, you can attest that it's a bit of a pain to dive from a boat and everything rocks and you have to attach all the hoses, you know. Um, with our system, it's a little bit less of a pain because it's just basically one hose you connect into the quick connect and then everything works. But uh, I've tried it in the Baltic on heavy waves and current on the surface and in a normal traditional side mount system where you have to connect your, your, your dry suit hose and your inflator hose and all that sort of stuff. Hoses have to go into place. It's a bit of a faff. So boat diving is both good and bad because a small dinghy is nice because you're not so top heavy with the big heavy tanks. But a bigger boat, like a liverboard, it, it, it looks a bit funny, right? You see the side mount divers clunk, 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 walking towards the deck, and it, it doesn't look cool, let's be honest. You know? Air sharing procedures in traditional side mount is also a bit of an issue. Again, the thinking is that it won't never happen because I'm independent and I can solve my own problems. 
Um, but, you know, history has shown that there's many divers who came into problems and have hurt themselves to, with, with, with fatal outcomes sometimes with pony bottles that are completely full. And that just goes to show that not every scenario is, is capable of being solved just purely by adding more equipment. I'm, I'm almost going to say the less equipment, the better, because the faster choices you make. More advantages of side mount diving is obviously you can crawl into small spaces. This is a picture from our uh, China uh, expedition where we were to, in China in a very rural area. We were invited to go there to map uh, unexplored caves. And yeah, as you can see, it's a tight, tight spot and we can't get there with, with, with back mounted doubles. Plus, the, lo the logistics there, it was impossible to source twin sets. There, there were no twin sets in that area. We can get 80s from everywhere, but twin sets were impossible. So from that regard, it was super nice. The next is mixed team diving. Because the system is so consistent, you don't have to start explaining the whole thing to a buddy that doesn't know side mount diving because it's exactly the same as back mount. Here you can see on a big wreck in the Baltic, a guy on doubles and me behind with a scooter on side mount. And like I said, with the tight spaces, this is a, a, a submarine at 70 meters and the hatch is 60 meters in, 60 centimeters in diameter. 60 centimeters, that's two feet, I think, in, in your measurements. I only do. I'm, I'm from Denmark, so what can I know? So here I go down with a single tank in front of me in a tiny little space uh, to see if the bottom hatch is open. Very interesting dive. But it goes to show that there are advantages for side mount diving, and it's a tool for certain diving. So where are we now? We've alluded that, okay, the problems with availability and the fact that UTD scuba diving has split apart from the equipment leaves us with a little bit of a gap. We, we like to say that we're now completely equipment neutral and that means that we are ended up here. I went to the drawing board and said, how can we create a system that still adheres to our core principles of a consistent way of training and a DIR compatible way? Now, this might look a little bit confusing, but let me put it together with something that you're more familiar with a set of doubles. So as you can see, this is the right post, the right regulator, right? And that feeds our long hose, and it feeds our BC, right? We have the cylinder and the manifold, and the manifold the double. And the left side feeds our necklace and our dry suit and has the SPG. Now look at here, we have two blocks. And now you can see I'm wearing this system which basically has a long hose that is donatable all the time to all my team, a necklace that's available to me, just like in a pair of doubles, just like here. We got a right and a left distribution block that distributes the hoses exactly like it would if it comes from the first stage. And we have two inputs, as we have here are their cylinders, but here are the quick connects, in this case QC6s, and they go in and distribute the hoses. So on the left side, the hose is going to the necklace, and the other side is going to the dry suit, over there. The right one is going to my long hose, and is going to the wing, right there. 
And then there's one hose in the middle with a shutoff, a simple generic shutoff you can get over the shelf from almost every dive center. And that's basically our manifold. So now we ended up with a system that is completely generic. There's no special parts. It's all available by either OmniSwivel or any other manufacturer that creates these four port plugs and QC6s and hoses. It's all over the shelf. And it doesn't require any special side mount wing or harness. It can be adapted to any side mount wing you might already have, be that X-Deep or any other brand that you might have. So what we like about this new system is that it's even lighter than the other one. It's cheaper. And if you look at this one, it's now compatible with every side mount rig. It's made with over-the-counter parts. It's less expensive, like I said. It doesn't require any proprietary equipment anymore. And it's even a smaller profile. We also took all the hoses away, or all the connections away from behind our backs, putting everything in front of us. And many divers in the past have questions, have had questions about, well, what if something happens with the manifold, the hoses on the back? Well, in reality, this is the same thing if you wear a pair of doubles on your back and you have the hoses from the doubles on the regulators, except it was on the manifold. Now, in our case, everything is now in front of the diver. So it's available for you to watch and see where potential problems are. Um, doesn't say that you can do a solo with it, because we don't, we don't believe in solo diving. But it just gives us more um, flexibility when it comes to not hindering our team. It's a talk for another, another show, I guess. Uh, why do we have redundant equipment if we dive in a team? Um, but if you want more information on that, I did a video on our YouTube channel talking about that, because it's a little bit of a different way of thinking about it why we have redundancy in technical diving more than we have in recreational diving. Why is it not just a bigger tank if you just need more gas and you have a team available? So it's an interesting video to watch. I also encourage you to listen to our podcast. Uh, we'll probably do a new podcast on site mount diving. We've done some in the past and we've done some on the coaching program as well. So it's a nice listen to when you drive back uh, to wherever you came from. Any questions on this? Well, the price is whatever you can buy these parts for. So, I don't know. Go ask OmniSwivel, right? It's like, it's like in backmount diving now. You can buy a pair of scuba pro regulators, which are good, good high quality, but they're also expensive. You can get cheaper options out there. Are they just as good? I'll let you be the judge of that. You know? So that's the whole thing is that we're now no longer reliant on a single manufacturer for the way we like to dive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. We, we talked with OmniSwivel, and they actually wanting to make a, a part number that include all the parts you need to set this up. And then talk to a UTD instructor for any kind of side mount training, and you know how to get it. Just talk to OmniSwivel, hey, the UTD side mount hose kit and it includes hoses or just metal parts, basically. Any other questions? Yeah, yes, sir. Ah, very good question. He asked if we're integrating side mount into our open waters. Simple question, yes, we do. You can actually take the class 
an open water class inside mount if that's what you want. Because it's, it's the same, basically. Especially, it's an, another advantage of this system, it allows you for single tank side mount diving. Because as soon as you plug one, ga one tank in the left side, it feeds everything, which is nice. Jeff and I, we were in Red Sea for a couple of years ago. We did a big, deep technical dive with four cylinders around us in scooters. And in the afternoon, we took one scooter, one cylinder, and went monkey bashing around the wreck at six meters of depth, all with the same, like, six kilos of, like, what's that? 12 pounds of diving equipment in our back. So that was nice. So for traveling, for sure, it's fantastic. Any other questions? Uh, the question was, the, the, the manifold we had on the back before th this one, if that was still needed? Nope, it's like this. The hoses that cross around my back is basically, if I can dissect it, I just have to let go of this one. Here, so the hoses just cross like they would in a pair of doubles coming from a regulator or coming now from this port. So all the hoses that go behind, one is the inflator hose coming from the right side feeding the wing. The other one is the connecting the manifold hose. And the other one is the hose for the necklace coming from the left side turning into the necklace, this one. And the, the isolatable portion comes from that shutoff. So if, let's say, you're diving in the cold waters, you come and visit me in Denmark, and we go for a nice nice dive, and your necklace starts free-flowing. You can turn off the left cylinder, and you're done. If it has a problem that it's not ice, but it's the situation that you need to isolate between left and right, you shut it off. And now you're basically the same situation if you were in a pair of doubles, and you isolate it between the left and right tank. Now, the big problem with back-mounted doubles is now you lost that tank completely, even though the tank might not fail or might not have a problem. In this case, we could potentially unplug that cylinder and use it on the other side and still utilize the gas that's in there. If it's not a first stage problem, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Very good question. I'm glad you asked it. And I'm amazed no one else asked it. But um, yes, we do add more failure points. Exactly. But that cost is weighed, in our opinion, by the benefit of always being able to donate to long hose, being able to dive single tank side mount, being able to unplug gases, and imagine plug-in deco gases, because usually it's back mount divers that, that come with that like skeptical question, which I think is good and I applaud it. But think about it, in a pair of doubles, there is, and I kind of anticipated this question, the liberty of opening up one of our slides from our training materials. Uh, these are the failures we teach in technical diving on doubles. So we have nine potential failures on a twin set, either being fixable or non-fixable, or manifold related or tank related. There is one point of manifolded doubles that is a single point failure that if you destroy that, you'll lose all of your gas. And that's the manifold. If you hit this and one of these O-rings goes and you've bended that tiny little brass bolt that enables you to turn the valve, which is very easy to do, you've lost all your gas. There's no way for you to isolate and save that gas. And you end up in an air sharing scenario. Now, 
similar thing can be said for side mount, except we can save the gas by unplugging that cylinder. Taking that one step further, if you do a long decompression dive on a pair of doubles, you're spending, let's say, 20, me 20 minutes at 200 feet, 60 meters. Yeah? That'll give you a decompression obligation of at least 40 minutes. So that means of a 60-minute dive, you're spending 20 minutes on a complete, redundant, you know, wow, best system in the world for 20 minutes. The rest of the dive, in blue water, you're on a single tank with probably a crappy second stage and a crappy first stage for 40 minutes of that dive. Where's the redundancy there? Talk about single point failure. You know, if you lose that one, you're in lost deco procedures and sharing deco gases, and that's much more of a faff, to be honest, than dealing with a manifold or that system. The beauty of that system is we can unplug our left cylinder from the system, dive the right one, make a gas switch, and plug our deco gas into the system. Now we turn off the right tank, and we're breathing deco gas on our main system. So we'll have deco gas available for donation. We have deco gas available for the necklace. Everything stays the same. So that now means that during the whole 60 minutes of that dive, you are diving a redundant system, which in my mind adds for some more safety than diving 40 minutes on a single tank and 20 minutes on a twin tank. Yes, sir. Ah, the question was, what, what length of hose do we use from the first stage to the connector? It's about two feet, about 60 centimeters, because that's all you need. It comes from the tank, just goes straight down, and plugs in right underneath your shoulder. So we found that if you use an 80 cubic feet cylinder and use a 60 centimeter or, or two feet, right, two feet hose, it won't fall in the sand when you disconnect it. Ah, that's another, another benefit. Um, the reason we dive our side mount system with aluminum cylinders is because, or aluminum cylinders, sorry, is because of the fact that they're neutrally buoyant in the water, give or take. If you dive steel cylinders, which is very, um, it's very big in Europe uh, for side mount diving, Personally, I think you kind of lose a lot of the benefits when it comes to side mount because you're going to add these heavy tanks that you now need to leave in place because as soon as you take this away, you're going to be you're going to be on your on your nose underwater. And the reason for the aluminum cylinders is that it doesn't affect our weighting system. So for the first time ever, basically, we're able to be truly balanced as a diver. Um, and the present, I don't know if you heard the presentation before of the guys that were pitching uh, the new system they, they invented um, without weights and without a BC. I, it's because they didn't have a suit, right? Because why do we need weights when we go diving? Like, like lead weights. It, no, it's not to go down. It, 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 Exactly. Very good, sir. It's, it's to compensate for the added buoyancy of our exposure suit. Because if all of us here just take on our bathing, bathing uh, shorts, jump in the water and exhale, we'll sink. We as humans are, give or take, neutrally buoyant. What keeps us up is the air in our lungs. Now, if we start adding suits to give us some warmth, that will make us bigger. The warmth comes from the air. Even in a wetsuit, it's the tiny air bubbles in the material 
that keeps the water that your body warms up between you and the wetsuit warm. So that air gives us buoyancy. Now, a lot of that buoyancy is being compensated by the weight of your equipment, right? The first stages, the tanks, if they're steel or the backplate or whatever, everything adds up. If you then still need a bit of extra weight, that comes in the form of lead. So we need lead weights to offset the positive buoyancy. Now, then we add gas in our tanks and we become heavy. Single tank gives us six pounds of gas weight. That gas weight goes in the tank, uh, sorry, goes in the BC. So in the beginning of the dive, the BC is filled with the weight of the gas. Now, if we look at the side mount system and we dive aluminium cylinders, which are kind of neutral in the water, they're a tiny little bit positive when they're empty and a tiny little bit negative when they're full, it gives us a greater sense of balance in the water because we don't have the heavy tanks to deal with. There's a, uh, a smaller shift in buoyancy when it comes to that. Anything else? All right, well, if there's no more questions, thank you very much for your attention. If you do have any questions, we're right behind uh, this black tarp over here, so come and see us. Otherwise, have a great show, and uh, stay safe in Vegas. All right, thanks everybody for listening. You can hear the talk that I did on scuba coaching. That's episode 31, right before this one. And then tomorrow, we're going to do a live version of our The Most Obscure Questions in Scuba Diving podcast. So that'll be up in a couple of days. And if you have any questions or comments for us, info at utdscubadiving.com. And we look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast. All right. Good night, everybody. Hell is going outside. Down the street.